Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So we come to number seven in our sermon series as we are looking at being a people who live by the Spirit. So we're very close to the end of the list that Paul has in Galatians 5. And we come to faithfulness, that we have a God who is incredibly faithful, and our response to that is to place our faith in Him. Now, in the weekly email, I, I asked the question, did we ever think to ourselves, I just wish I had a little bit more faith. Faith is an incredibly important thing. It's a powerful thing. It can lead to amazing things, amazing acts of God, powerful things. Although it's maybe something that we don't always fully grasp um, when we think about it. And I'm grateful to the, the opening of Hebrews chapter 11 as it provides us with this definition, a description of what this faith looks like. It tells us what faith does and, and how it works and how a true biblical faith is not some kind of blind optimism or a, a really hope that it'll happen type thing, that it's more it's more powerful than that. It is a complete confidence and obedience to God's Word in spite of our circumstances, in spite of whatever consequences there might be. So as we come to verse 1 through 3, we read, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the words were prepared by the word of God, so that what has been made was made from things that are not visible. So for us, as followers of Jesus with a, a biblical faith, it's about having that obedience, that, that complete confidence in God, for things and times that we can't even see. We're reminded that our ancestors, that we'll look at uh, a little bit later in the sermon, that they were approved by God, that they, were, that they received approval, which meant that they were looked upon with favor and blessed through their faith. And we're also given this final reminder that, that God was able to create the universe and everything in it through forces that are unseen. And we could debate for, for hours and days and years, and people continue to do it with big bangs and various other things. But the, ultimately, as a follower of Jesus, we hold fast to that, that truth that God was able to create the universe with invisible forces. Wonderful. Power beyond our comprehension. 
As we looked at earlier, the, the faith the size of a, a mustard seed can make a huge, huge difference. But it's important for us to recognize and understand that no matter how big or small our faith may be at any particular time, it's not the faith that actually does anything. It is the one in whom we place our faith that does. And that's important to remember. That it's not necessarily a given that if we walk around thinking that we have this huge big faith that, that amazing things and powerful things are going to happen. And equally, that if we think we have a, a really small faith, that nothing will happen or very small things will happen. That's not how it works. But we start from that place of having faith the size of a mustard seed. And this passage, I believe, gives us a blueprint on how we can grow and nurture that small mustard seed faith into a much bigger one that has much more confidence in our powerful God. And the first thing is the importance of worship, how important worship is. So the first thing we need to ensure is that we are regularly worshiping God. The second is that we are continually walking with God each and every day of our lives. The third is that we have a faith that, uh, that goes to work, that our faith prompts us to good works. And finally, that is that faith needs to be a faith that is willing to wait. Needs to be willing to wait. So these are the four things that we will look at this morning. Worship, walking with God, working, and waiting. So the first example that the author of Hebrews uses is the example of Cain and Abel. Now, we probably know the story of, of Cain and Abel, who are Adam and Eve's sons. We read that by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain's. Through this, he received approval as righteous, God himself giving approval to his gifts. He died, but through his faith, he still speaks. You know, Cain goes out into his field, and he gathers up uh, an offering of worship to God. Now, both Cain and Abel would have been taught how to worship appropriately from their mum and dad. Adam and Eve would have shared with them how to appropriately worship God. And this is how they're doing it. Cain goes out into his field, gathers it up, and comes before God. Abel, on the other hand, goes out to get his lambs and come before God. It's not necessarily what we might be thinking here. It's not that Abel is seen as righteous because he brings the right thing before God. It's not that lambs were, were of greater importance to God than the things that Cain brought from his field. That's not the case. It was the fact that Abel was willing to offer his worship to God from that place of being genuine about it. It was a genuine act of worship. It was coming from the right place in his heart. Abel may well have had that small mustard seed of faith, 
but he knew that by worshipping God, it would grow. He offers God this suitable sacrifice that we, we read is approved by God because it's done from that right place. But it would appear that Cain didn't even have a mustard seed faith because he's worshipping God out of this sense of duty, that it's just something you have to do. He's not approaching it from that genuine place in his heart. And that is why Abel's sacrifice is approved by God and Cain's is rejected. And Cain becomes incredibly jealous of his brother Abel. This favor that he has received from God, he becomes incredibly jealous. And it's from that place of jealousy that he kills his brother. What I love about this particular passage in that verse 3 not verse 3, verse 4, where it says he died, but through his faith he still speaks. That even although he died, through his faith he still speaks to us here in 2022. Abel is still an example of how to approach God in worship with genuine hearts. That's important that if our faith is to be nurtured and grown, that we need to ensure that we are spending time worshipping God. And sometimes you might hear a worship leader or a minister pray that, Lord, we pray that, that our worship would be pleasing to you. And that's what it is. It's about approaching God in, in a pleasing way, that we're not doing it out of, of duty, but that we're actually approaching God from that right place in our heart, that God would be pleased with it. And Abel is a great example of it. It's not about style. It's not about how we dress. It's not about the songs that we sing, uh, the, the particular language that we use. It's not about that. It's about making sure that our hearts are in the right place as we come before God in prayer and worship. That we don't come out of that sense of duty, but that it's done with the right motives. And we continue on in verse 5. We're coming to a man named Enoch. And we read that by faith Enoch was taken so that he did not experience death. And he was not found because God had taken him. For it was attested before he was taken away that he had pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would approach him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. In Enoch, we have another example of someone who had a, a life of worship and a desire to follow God. Enoch had this willingness to, to, to follow God in his ways, that he was making sure that he would do the right things by God out in the world. And sometimes the world doesn't do the, the right thing by God. So you can go up against the, you go against the grain quite a bit if you are willing to stay true to God's ways. And Enoch's been described as someone who walked in a wicked world before the flood came. Enoch was different. He was a different, a different man. And I love how it says here that he was taken so that he didn't experience death. 
This is because Enoch, before Elijah, and indeed before Jesus, ascended to be with God. He didn't die an earthly death like Abel did. It shows this amazing power of God. It says here that no one could find him, and that's because he was with God. Enoch was seen as pure, as someone who had a willingness to follow God. And it's important that we follow his example, that we too might please God. Enoch recognized that he needed to spend time seeking out God as he finds himself in a world that, that is throwing a whole bunch of different things at him. It was important that you spent time with God. And we are able to do that if we spend time in prayer. You know, I say it all the time, prayer is a conversation. And it's completely okay to empty our, our minds and our hearts to God in prayer. But we need to remember that it's a conversation. We need to spend time stopping speaking. Spend time in God's presence just listening and waiting for God to speak to us. Because a conversation goes two ways. We need to spend time regularly in the Bible. We need to spend time reading about this powerful God that we place our faith in. A God who is faithful to his promises and faithful to those in whom he makes those promises. God speaks to us through his word, helping us to discern what to do and where to go and who to go to. There's clearly a, a precursor to Jesus in that ascension with God. That God is showing that he has this power. And of course, when Jesus comes back, it will be far more glorious than we can even imagine. But God shows off this amazing power. We move on to verse 7, where we read about one of the heavyweights in the book of Genesis. By faith, Noah, warned by God about events as yet unseen, respected the warning built an ark to save his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir to the righteousness that is in accordance with faith. He'd said, I've had enough of the world. I want to follow God. Noah shows that when we place our faith in God, our faith must go to work. And I'm going to really emphasize this again because it's really important. It is not our works that get us saved. It is not through our works that we are saved. It is only through our faith in our Lord Jesus. Jesus secured our salvation. So I want to caveat that every time I talk about doing good works. But the good works are a byproduct of our faith, that out of our thankfulness for what Jesus was willing to do for us, that we are prompted to serve God and to serve others. And that is exactly what Noah does. He finds himself in a place that he needs to, to outwork his faith. He needs to make sure his faith goes to work. He's drawn to action. He's been warned by God that something terrible is going to happen. And we know that that's the, the great flood. We also know that the, the world, having been condemned by, by Noah and God, also condemned Noah. They mocked him. They treated him terribly. But they had gone even further in their wicked ways 
and further away from God than they had even in Enoch's time. They're even more wicked. And here is Noah building an ark. And I'm sure it must have looked some sight, building a huge big boat on land, nowhere near from water. And the thing is, we can get a bit righteous about these people who were mocking Noah, might have a bunch of bad thoughts about them. And sure, they were completely wrong, and they were in the wrong to treat Noah the way they did. However, we should never forget that they're human beings. They genuinely didn't have faith. They'd lost their connection with God. They didn't get what was going on. They didn't understand faith or putting your complete assurance in God, God's ability to deliver. And the thing is, if you're in that place of not being able to grasp who God is and how powerful He is, there is no way that you would even be able to comprehend what was about to happen. And that's why it's so important that we display the fruit of the Spirit out into the world. There are so many people who don't understand, so many people who have never heard the amazing good news of Jesus. And that's why it's so important that we display it out into the world, that we might show just a little bit that they may well be intrigued enough to find out more and that they too may follow our amazing God. Now, I'm pretty sure that these people that were mocking Noah wouldn't even have been able to comprehend a flood. What's that? You know, they would have maybe understood rain. It would have rained sometimes. But the idea of a flood, what was that? They'd never been to Scotland. But what was a flood? Unable to get to that place where they're willing to, to listen to what Noah is saying. Ultimately, it's to their downfall. Noah's heard from God, and he's willing to put it into action. He builds this ark. And I'm pretty sure that it would have been easier for him to go a different direction, to stop making the ark. It certainly would have made the mockers go away, and it certainly would have made his life easier for a short while. But he stayed true, and his faith was at work. And the thing is, if we're listening to God, being prompted to a particular thing, we may well come up against that kind of opposition. But it's important that we stay true to it. That God is asking us to, to do something and He promises to be with us always. That we don't give up. It's not always easy to follow God. It's not always easy to follow through on the things that He's asking us to do. Believe me, there are numerous times where it would have been easier for me to, to turn my face away and pretend that I couldn't hear and to walk in a completely different direction. It certainly would have made my life a lot easier for a short period of time. But I'm glad that I stayed true to it because it's brought me to here this morning. It's brought me to this place 
that if you'd told me a few years ago, I wouldn't have thought that I would have come here. But God has brought me here. And it's a wonderful, wonderful blessing. It's not always easy to follow God's call, the things that he's asking you to do. And you may well get short-term relief if you have that pretend thing where you can't hear him or you'd walk in a different direction. But ultimately, that everlasting peace that comes from being with God is so much more valuable than a short-term fix of what we might think is enjoyment and peace. I've been blessed. And I truly believe that in those times of testing our, our life and our faith is where our faith starts to grow. It starts to, to be stretched and grow just like a muscle does. It's important that we, we recognize that and that we see these tests as an opportunity to allow our faith to go to work. So we move on to our fourth and final example from our passage. And it's that we need to learn to wait. That in the waiting, our faith can be nurtured and grown. It's easy to, to wait for something that you're only waiting five minutes for. We can do that, depending on what it is. If it's waiting for your dinner to be made in the microwave, I'm sure I'm not the only one that sits looking at it. Even although I can see that there's still lots of time left on it. But anyway, I digress. The example that the author of Hebrews uses is Abraham. Another heavyweight in the book of Genesis. We read that Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He set out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land that he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him to that same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. What Abraham is being called to is quite unbelievable. He's told to pick up his things and go for a walk. And when the time's right, I'll tell you. You'll have your own nation whose architect and builder is God. But go for a walk. And I'll tell you at some point when you're there. What a sacrifice he's being asked to make. Give up all that is familiar. Give up all that, that you would consider to be normal. The, the, the comfort that comes from that, and move into the unknown. And when the time's right, I'll, I'll tell you. But he's granted a further blessing because he, of his willingness to respond to God's prompting. In verse 11, it says, By faith he received power of procreation, even although he was too old, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Anybody that knows the story of Abraham and Sarah is that they were older in years and they hadn't been blessed with children. Not always easy for people to have a family of their own. And they couldn't have children. 
Not only does Abraham respond to God's promise and prompting into this moving into a new place, but also now by faith he believes that God will deliver on this promise to him, that he'll become a father. And they do have a son, Isaac. But they had to wait for a long time for that to happen. And it's not a simple process. Isaac is the father of Jacob and Esau. The fulfillment of that promise of fathering a nation that would happen is because it's through Jacob and his sons. You might know one of his sons. Technicolor dream Dreamcoat fame. Jacob, through his sons, would establish the nation. It would be built upon them. They had to wait. And waiting is difficult. I don't know about you, but for me, it is definitely one of the, the hardest disciplines. Now, I wish I could be better at waiting for things. But we need to be patient and wait on God fulfilling his promises to us. You know, I say that there's that phrase that my, my grand used to always use, which is, it's all in God's time. It's all in God's time. Patience, but it can be really difficult for us to have that patience at times. We need to make sure that we're willing to wait and allow our faith to grow in that waiting. However, for a lot of us, that can be, as I say, incredibly difficult. There are times where we might get sick of waiting because we've been waiting for a long, long time. We might start to give up. Maybe feel defeated. Think that our faith wasn't enough. And unfortunately, there are some ministers or pastors that would tell you that. It's because your faith wasn't enough. I'll never tell you that because it's nonsense. It's nonsense. I want to re-emphasize that it's not our faith that makes these powerful moves happen. It's the one in whom we place our faith. We might not always understand it. Or we might not always have the patience to wait for a long time. But God is continually working. Always at work. But we might think that he's not. And we might start to think that God doesn't love us. Again, that's nonsense. God shows his love for us in the person and sacrifice of Jesus. God does love us. But we might ask the question of what have I done wrong or you know, why isn't God working? And the thing is, I truly believe that God is always at work and we might not always understand it. We might not always get what we, what we want. But I truly believe that God delivers to us exactly what we need in his timing, not ours, in his. That's a difficult thing to live by. I'm aware of that. I live it too. It's an incredibly difficult thing. But I truly believe that we have a God who is constantly working on our behalf. We might not always see it, but it's happening. And we need to look at Abraham as an example of someone who was willing to wait. Indeed, we might not actually see all of the answers or the fulfillment of these promises in our time here on earth. But there will come a point where we will. 
However, if we allow our faith to continue to grow and be nurtured, we can come to that place of peace that that Abraham had, that he was willing to wait. We look at the, the very last verse that Leslie read out for us this morning. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. You see, sometimes we won't see what is ahead of us. And that's why we call it faith. Because if you remember at the very beginning of the passage, it says faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by our faith, our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. The assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. We might well have faith the size of a, a mustard seed. But as Jesus reminds us, that's all you need. It's enough. It can be grown. And amazing works and acts of God can occur. A small seed can grow to become a tree that birds can shelter in, where amazing fruit can grow. It can even move mountains. I don't know where you are this morning. Your faith might seem very small, but if you're committed to growing and nurturing it, letting it develop so that it can be on display as a fruit of the Spirit, I pray that you would take on this blueprint from the opening of Hebrews chapter 11. That every one of us would again commit to worshipping from that place of, of genuine love and desire. A desire to please God. And that we would commit to walking with God every day in prayer and reading the Bible. Reading more about the one in whom we place our faith. And like Noah, we would be willing to respond to God's commands, His guides, His prompts, that our faith would go to work, that we might respond to serving God and serving others. And equally, that we would be willing to wait, that we would be better with patience. That in that waiting, we would become to that understanding that life isn't a sprint, but that it's a marathon. And it's a never-ending marathon as we move into eternal life. But our faith can be grown and strengthened as we develop an endurance that wasn't possible before. And if we commit to doing all of these things, then faith would start to rise up, that it would grow and eventually be out on display as a fruit of the Spirit that dwells within each and every one of us who have chosen to follow our Lord Jesus. So shall we pray? Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. And we apologize for those times where, where we give up. We pray that our faith would would continue to grow. 
that you would convict us, that we would be able to come to, to worship you from that genuine place of love. That we would be willing to walk with you and feel your presence with us each and every day. And that out of our thankfulness, we, we might serve God and serve others. And we pray that we would be better at waiting. That we would understand that our faith allows us to continue on even in the times where we can't even see what is ahead of us. Lord, we thank you again for everything you've done and everything that you will continue to do for us. And it's in your precious and mighty name that we pray. Amen.